I shared something a moment ago that I'm responsible before God. I'm not responsible for you, but I'm responsible to you. Ezekiel calls me a watchman. The entire Old and New Testament calls me a shepherd. Throughout Scripture, I'm called a pastor. But to most of you, I'm called friend. And I honor that greatly, which is why I speak to you the way I speak to you. I preach to you the way I preach to you. One day, and I don't have a day, I don't have an hour, I don't have a clue. The rapture is going to happen. Now, whether you believe in the rapture or not, that's between you and God. It's going to happen, and my responsibility to you is to make sure you're not ignorant of what's happening in the world. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. You have your Bibles, open them to the book of Luke. My goodness. I've got a lot of scripture. I've got a, in, in my humorous way, a long way to go and a short time to get there. We've been talking about the end times, and I want you to look at me before you look at your notes, because I want to I want to share something. Some of the preaching over the last three weeks has been a little hard. It's been very straightforward. It's been without apology. And today's not an apology by any means. I shared something a moment ago that I'm responsible before God. I'm not responsible for you, but I'm responsible to you. Ezekiel calls me a watchman. The entire Old and New Testament calls me a shepherd. Throughout Scripture, I'm called a pastor. But to most of you, I'm called friend. And I honor that greatly, which is why I speak to you the way I speak to you. I preach to you the way I preach to you. One day, and I don't have a day, I don't have an hour, I don't have a clue. The rapture is going to happen. Now, whether you believe in the rapture or not, that's between you and God. It's going to happen, and my responsibility to you is to make sure you're not ignorant of what's happening in the world. That's why the last few weeks I've had people leave this auditorium, and the two words that keep coming out of people's mouths are eye-opening and amazing. Because they're seeing things that they haven't seen before, though they're very much in front of their face. And I just want to ask you, over the last few weeks of talking about the signs of the times, we're going to continue today. How many have seen things a little differently? 
Folks, this world is coming to an abrupt ending. Now, I'm not talking about the end of the world, folks. I'm not talking about December 21st, 2012. If you got your bags packed, just leave your Cabela's card for me. Oh, just kidding. If you got your bags packed, unpack them, okay? You say, well, what happens if Jesus comes back December 21st? I'm a happy camper. Well, chances are he's not. I don't have a crystal ball, and if I had one, I would probably destroy it and break it and throw it away because that's, that's a necromancy. It's a demonism, okay? Uh, and so if you go to soothsayers, if you go to fortune tellers, stop because you bring a spirit into your life. Let me throw something else out there. I'm not even in the sermon yet. If you're a horoscope reader, you better stop. You open the door for demon spirits. Okay. I just want to throw that out there. I watch Facebook and I see all these people reading horoscopes. Oh, pastor, it's just an innocent thing. Yeah, that's what Eve said when she ate the fruit. That's what Saul said when he ignored Samuel, the prophet, and went to war and it cost him his life. Not him only, but his entire family. What I'm trying to say is we have to stop being willingly ignorant of what is blatantly seen. We have to. Because tonight I'm going to take you, or today I'm going to take you right into the church and let us see that we are the same problem that the world is. And you say, Pastor, why? why?" Very simply, when that rapture happens, when that trumpet sounds, if God allows me to look over my shoulder, I want to see an empty church. I want to see every one of us home. That's all I want. That's all I want. Over the past few weeks, we've been speaking about the time on earth like only two other times in all of Scripture, in all of creation, where God brought complete judgment on all or part of creation, and that was the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And as we saw with the days of Noah and the days of Lot, though warning after warning after warning was given, the people refused and continued living life as if nothing was happening. Continue doing their, their little secret things. Continue doing their little, their little uh, sin-filled and sensual and, and selfish, narcissistic lives. Refusing to heed the warnings. Living as though nothing is happening. Luke chapter 17, quickly in your notes. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like the days of Noah. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time that Noah entered into the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People will be going about their daily business. People will be going about their daily business. People will be going about their daily... No, it's not a broken record, folks. I want the point to get in. People will be going about their daily business, eating, drinking, buying, selling, farming, building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Two key phrases that we'll get into next week when I talk about the rapture is when Noah entered the boat and when Lot left Sodom. Yeah, you don't want to miss next week. We're going to talk about the rapture. It's going to be a lot of fun. Listen to what it says. Then fire... Burning sulfur rained down from heaven, destroyed 
them all. And I want you in your notes to underline this last phrase. Yes, it will be business as usual right up until the day the Son of Man is revealed. It will be business as usual right up to the day the Son of Man revealed. In other words, in all that transpired then, it will be as it transpires now, people will be willingly ignorant. That word ignorant, you say, Pastor, you calling me stupid? No, I'm not. You take the word ignorant from its shortest composition, which is ignore. They deliberately forget what God has done, choosing to ignore all that is happening. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. Not the angels, not the Son of God himself, only the Father. But he said, the times and the seasons and the signs will be as plain as the nose on your face. Do you see them? Do you see them? Noah was warning. Lot was warning. And they willingly ignored what was happening around the world until it was too late. As a proverbial ostrich burying its head in the sand, the world and the Christian alike refuses to see. I've had many Christians say, Pastor, this is freaky when you talk about this stuff. It shouldn't be. Pastor, it kind of scares me when you talk about these things. It shouldn't. Oh, yes. Yes, folks. Death is a very fearful thing, but it's only to the non-Christian. It is an unknown thing to you and I. I haven't been there. But I learned a long time ago that the that death is simply a comma in life to the Christian. It's the meeting place of two eternities. It's a doorway that once you step to, God says, enter thou in to the joy of your Lord. See, to the Christian, this is not a place of fear. This is a place of faith. It's a place of building our lives and understanding right where we are. 2 Peter 3, in your notes, Most importantly, I'm reading out the New Living Translation. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. Mocking the truth and following their own desires. Mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say this. What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From the very times of the ancestors, everything has remained the same since it was first created. They deliberately forget. They are willingly ignorant of the fact that God made the heavens and the earth with the word of his command. In the church today, it is very hard to find a Christian church that believes in the young world creation. Most, and I say that purposely, Christian churches now believe in evolution. Most Christian churches now believe 
in something called a theistic evolution. They believe in God. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. But that everything was created out of one thing. When the Bible very plainly says, no, everything was created out of different things. 1 Corinthians 15 says, there is one flesh of the bird, there is one flesh of the, of the animal, there is one flesh of the person, there is one flesh of the plant, there is one, that we didn't all evolve out of one little microbe. I'm not an oozy goozy just popped up someplace. And neither are you. When you wake up in the morning, you might look that way, but you're not. God, they chose ignorantly to ignore, to disbelieve, to deliberately forget that God made the heavens from the word of his command. And he brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it by the water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept And underline this in your notes, for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Very simply, because people choose to believe what they choose to believe, they do what they choose to do. And God says, judgment is stored up for those that have not chosen. As it says in John 3, 18, have not chosen to believe on the only begotten Son of the Father, that He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. Romans chapter, five, chapter 2, and listen what it says, And because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, we are storing up terrible punishment for yourself, talking to those that refuse to come to Christ, refuse to live for Christ. Look at what it says here. Underline this in your notes. For the day of anger is coming. The Bible calls that day a lot of things. It calls it Jacob's trouble. It calls it the day of anger. It calls it the day of tribulation. It talks about a time that's coming upon the earth that never has been before and never will be again. Where God says, enough's enough. I'm done with it all. I'm finishing. A day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everything according to what they have done. You say, Pastor, we're getting judged by our works. Who's he talking to? Those who have refused to turn from their sin. They'll be judged according to what they have done. What have they done? Refuse Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Folks, look at me quickly. There's only one thing that's going to send you to hell. Can we talk about hell in this church? Good. I started to ask permission first. What do you think, Lib? Did I get it? Good. I was going to talk about it anyway. I just thought it would be nice to ask permission. There's only one thing that sends a person to hell, and that's when that person rejects Jesus Christ. You've heard me say humorously, I don't, I don't believe smoking is going to send somebody to hell. I don't know why you want to go to heaven smelling like you've been there. But, you know, I, uh, I don't know having a drink is going to send somebody to hell. Being an alcoholic, yes. If you're an alcoholic, you need help. Here's a preacher that will help you. 
You have a problem with drugs? You need help? Here's a preacher that'll help you. Oh, are you licensed? Yeah, by the blood of Christ. If we're living in sin, you got a preacher that will help you. I got the doctrine of the Holy Ghost. Oh, just comes out of me sometimes. Stephen and I went to a conference last a couple weeks ago, and I got into the conference. I was on the phone for about an hour and a half, you know, taking care of some stuff over here while I was in California, and. And I walked in, and I caught the very end of the meeting, and there was a, a black preacher up there named Albert, and fun guy. Stephen walks out to me later and said, Pastor, Pastor, I listened to you preach all night. I said, really? He said, this black guy was up there preaching, preaching just like you. So, anyway, it comes out of me sometimes. He will give eternal life, though, to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory, the honor, and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his wrath and his anger on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth. Very quickly, because I, I want to spend most of my time in the last half of this sermon, understand in your notes, God will give all what they are looking for in the last days. As a pastor, one of the greatest frustrations that I have is trying to help someone see or believe something they refuse to see or believe. It frustrates me beyond imagination. It is and will be that way, though, in the day that the Lord returns and in the days preceding it. Now I'm going to take you a little bit further into a time that's going to happen, but the time right now is leading up to it. Second Thessalonians 2, the Antichrist. The Bible says the Antichrist will appear. You say, well, how will we know it's the Antichrist? He will say, sign a seven-year treaty with Israel, a peace treaty that three and a half years into it, I'll talk about that in a little bit, and I'll talk about it next week, and I'll talk about it in the series, in, the, in part of this series when I talk about the mark of the beast and the Antichrist. We'll spend an entire session on it. He will sign a treaty that will be broken in the middle section of this tribulation period, this seven years, Jacob's trouble. The Antichrist will come and do Satan's work, Second Thessalonians, with counterfeit power, signs, miracles. Listen to this, and if it's not underlined in your notes, you need to underline it. He will use every kind of deception to fool those already on their way to destruction. Say, Pastor, okay, that's for a time to come. No, no, no. Listen. It's also for the time preceding. Listen to it. Fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. What does that mean in very simple terms? Because we refuse to do what God's Word says to do, and that's to live a righteous, holy life. Not a perfect life, folks. I don't know about you. If perfection was the catalyst that got me into heaven, 
I'd be on a banana peel on my way to hell real quick. Okay, not looking for perfection. He's looking for hearts that are looking for him. Can somebody say amen? So God, listen, this is talking about coming up to. But God says, and I want to I I talk all to you folks real quick. That say, well, you know, hey, if, I, if the rapture happens and I don't make it, that's okay. I'll know what to do. Look at the last half of this verse. For those fence setters, those playing games with God, those that are saying, well, I'm just going to live the life I want to live until that time. God said, not only is Satan going to deceive, he said, I will send a strong delusion that they believe the lies they chose to live. How many think the rapture would be the best way out? Yeah. See, there's going to be some funky things happening during the tribulation period. And my advice, get out before. God himself will send a strong deception. 2 Corinthians 4. Let's come back right now where we're at. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is only hidden from people who are perishing. How do you perish? By choice. You refuse to receive. Satan, a lot of people say, well, where's the say that Satan is the God of this world? Right here is one place. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. In the original language, who have been willingly ignorant of everything that they see. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ because he is the exact image of Christ who they have rejected. So I want to go into something and a thought that came to my mind the other day as I'm working on this sermon. How is it that Satan can keep us so blindful? How can he do it? Where's my cell phone, honey? It's right there. Hmm. Anybody got any of these? Take them out and hold them up, would you please? I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot. I'm just trying to give you some understanding of God's word. You have one? Lift it up. Okay, go like this. Oh, no, don't. These are great tools. But let me share what the word of God says. One of Satan's names we find in Ephesians chapter 2. He talks about those that were lost, those that didn't know Christ at one time but came to Christ. He said, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, and underline this in your notes, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of what? Disobedience. How many know to be somebody that disobeys, you had to first obey? 
To see, you had to first be blind. So let's look at this for a second. Think with me. Would it not be accurate to say that much of today's deception comes through the power of the air waves? Who is the God, the prince of the power controlling those Oh, you say, Pastor, you're stretching. Am I really? At a youth camp, they did a study. A few hundred kids. They took all of their cell phones away when they got there. Before they got them away, the kids called their parents. Parents were calling the camp, screaming, yelling. How are we going to get a hold of our kids? How are our kids? The better question should have been, You think it might be good for your kids not to get a hold of anybody while they're here? And if you need to get a hold of them, why don't you call us? Oh, I'm stepping on toes. I shouldn't do that in church, should I? The prince of the power of the air, TV, radio, internet, cell phones, PDAs, fill in the blanks. Are we not inordinately preoccupied and oblivious to the fate that awaits believers due to the inundation of entertainment and information that is disseminating through the airwaves of this world? God shows up. God shows up. Hold on, God, i got to take this text. Now, I know a lot of you use the cell phone for your Bible in church. I just let that set. Are we not inundated with this stuff? And of course, must so we be. Why? The Bible says on that day in the halfway of the tribulation period, the Bible says the two witnesses are going to be testifying for God. You talk about supernatural manifestations, these boys are going to be blowing fire out of their mouth, consuming people. I don't know about you, but I've had bad breath, but never that bad. (laughs) Consuming. And the Bible says that God's going to allow the Antichrist to kill them halfway through. I'm sorry, I just got a text message. <laughs> ah! Just like the devil to show up right now, isn't it? They're going to be preaching. And you know what the Bible says? When they're killed, the entire world is going to see at the same time. That's one of the ways you know it's the last days. The very last days. Because up to 30 years ago, not even 30 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe not even that long, that was not possible. Oh, only to the very affluent. My wife and I are cruising across Africa a couple years ago. And you know what we found in the middle of the savannah? This great, big, massive cell tower. Looks like a palm tree. I didn't even match. They have acacia trees in the savannah. Satan's goal is to prevent people from hearing the gospel. And if they do hear, 
to forget as fast as they hear it. Why? Because of continuous media, entertainment, enlightenment. Even developing countries are now in the fog of the impact this medium is having. And in it, listen to me, because you have that cell phone, because we have a false sense of security that we're protected everywhere we go. Could it be that the prince of the power of the air? Now, I'm not trying to make you afraid of your cell phones. I'm not trying to, make, I'm trying to get you to where you're not willingly ignorant of the hour we live and how the enemy works. Am I making sense today, brothers and sisters? There are several things that the enemy is doing. I'm going to talk about two of them. Once again, Stephen and I were at a conference, and they brought up two terms that I hadn't heard for a while, but I was already very familiar with them, and I went out and restudied them. And it is the two terms of the church world that has inundated almost the complete church world. It's called the emerging church and the emergent church. Have you heard of them? I went back into the, the founders were a guy named Kimball and a, uh, a, uh, another guy named McLaren, the two different formulations, if you will. And I went back and looked into their belief statements to get a better handle on it. And this is basically the basis for the both of them because they both, Kimball and, and McLaren were, were friends and they went different directions and did different things, but they still accomplished a similar thing. The emergent church has become so pervasive, the emerging church and emergent church, that many churches now tolerate abortion, fornication, which means living together without being married. Just threw that out there. It was free. Didn't call. Adultery, homosexuality, and also many other ways of violating God's law. Sadly, this PC, politically correct movement, is accepted... Because most of the church chooses to ignore or to justify. Why? Because we do no longer want to be considered strict literalists of the scripture. We don't want to any longer be understood as those that believe what it said and say what it believes. Are you with me? I want to do a real quick. Did we get the video clip working, Chris? I want to do a real quick little video clip, two minutes long. This is a very large church in, um, in Missouri. Missouri, right in the heartland. Watch this little video clip. Good evening. My name is the Reverend Dr. Phil Snyder. I was born and raised in Springfield, Missouri. And I stand before you this evening in support of this ordinance. I worry about the future of our city. Now listen to his terminology. Any accurate reading of the Bible should make it clear that gay rights goes against the plain truth of the Word of God. As one preacher warns, man and overstepping the boundary lines God has drawn by making special rights for gays and lesbians has taken another step in the direction of inviting the judgment of God upon our land. This step of gay rights is but another stepping stone toward the immorality and lawlessness that will be characteristic of the last days. This ordinance represents a denial of all that we believe in and no one should force it on us. It's not that we don't care about homosexuals, but it's that our rights will be taken away. 
and unchristian views will be forced on us and our children, for we will be forced to go against our personal morals. Outside government agents are endeavoring to disturb God's established order. It is not in line with the Bible. Do not let people lead you astray. The liberals leading this movement do not believe the Bible any longer, but every good, substantial, Bible-believing, intelligent, orthodox Christian can read the Word of God and know what is happening is not of God. When you run into conflict with God's established order, you have trouble. You do not produce harmony. You produce destruction and trouble, and our city is in the greatest danger that it has ever been in in its history. The reason is that we have gotten away from the Bible of our forefathers. You see, the right of segregation, I'm sorry, hold on. The right of segregation is clearly established by the Holy Scriptures, both by precept and example. One minute. I'm sorry, I brought the wrong notes with me this evening. Uh, I've borrowed my argument from the wrong century. Uh, it turns out what I've been reading to you this whole time are direct quotes from white preachers from the 1950s and the 1960s, all in support of racial segregation. All I have done is simply take out the phrase racial integration and substituted it with the phrase gay rights. I guess the arguments I've been hearing around Springfield lately sounded so similar to these that I got them confused. I hope you will not make the same mistake. I hope you will stand on the right side of history. Thank you. Are there any questions? You hear the... Uh, Thank you. Go ahead and turn it off. You hear the uh, argument? This guy was not opposing gay rights. Pastor of a very large church, Christian church, in... Missouri, he was a proponent. And what he was likening it to was the segregation movement of the 50s and 60s. How they did, at that time, pervert the scriptures. They did. God has no problem, black, white, red, yellow, green, purple, people eater thing. God has no problem with that. Back then, man had a problem. But folks, gay rights, God has a problem with. Homosexuality, God has a problem with. But listen to what Snyder said in that same interview as we put the clip up. You have the clip? Reverend Phil Snyder, Missouri pastor, responds to the viral gay rights speech. It went viral on the video. Listen to what he says. After his speech was recorded and went viral on the internet, the reverend was recorded to say that there are countless pastors across the nation who support LGBT rights. Listen, not in spite of their faith, but because of their faith. Countless. And what he is saying is true. All you got to do is twist it a little bit. All you got to do is be willfully ignorant. Make a decision. We are quickly becoming, in your notes, oh, I was going to read to you the emerging church belief in the emergent church. This is from their doctrinal statements. The emerging church doesn't believe that there is absolute truth in any religion. The Bible, though used as the primary religious text, is interpreted and to be questioned. The emergent church belief statement, 
Is our religion the only one that understands the true meaning of life, or does God place this truth in other religions too? The gospel is not our gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom of God, and what belongs to the kingdom of God cannot be hijacked by Christianity. When you go and read the rest of their doctrinal statements, listen to me. I could name churches up here that have chosen to become and are a part of the emergent church and the emergent church that are trying to do what I use the term loosely reverend here has done. And that is to water down the scripture because we choose to be willingly ignorant. We choose to willfully ignore what God said. Ladies and gentlemen, I share these things because more and more as we precede the days of Christ, we're going to be challenged where we stand. Am I doing okay today? We're going to be challenged where we stand. And your stand has to be clear. Well, but they won't like me. Are you worried about them liking them or him liking you? See, the key is, is not to hate somebody, not to disown somebody, not to throw somebody away, but it's to bring the truth to them. The problem is, if you give in, if you concede like this pastor did, if you concede, well, it's just okay, it's an alternative lifetime, how do you bring the truth to them when you don't have the truth to bring? You can't bring what you don't believe. Are you with me? We are quickly moving to a one-world geopolitical system. I'm jumping quickly from the church into the world. Why? It's the world that is numbing down the church. The one world government is quickly being spoken of around the world. It started back in the 80s, becoming a blatant movement with Kissinger, many of the world leaders, but I'm talking about here in the United States. It came to the forefront under George H.W. Bush. Reagan didn't talk about it, but Bush from then on out talked about bringing it all together. And you know who is pushing the envelope to make it happen? Throw the clip up there if you would, because the church is rapidly accessioning. The largest church in the world, the Roman Catholic Church, Archbishop tells the UN, we must have a world government. This is in their articles. This is in their newspaper the Vatican appointed Dominic Mamberti expressing disappointment that there is no world government yet. And look at the date, October 6th. Folks, once the largest religious organizations get behind it, freedom of religion is going out the doors really fast. And the two largest are behind it, this one and the Mormon church. They're both behind it. Revelation 13, I saw one of the heads of the beast seem wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled and gave allegiance to the beast. The beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. Listen to this. He was given authority to do whatever he wanted to for 42 months, three and one half years. And the beast was allowed to war, wage war against God's people and conquer and he was given authority over every tribe, every nation, every language. A one world society. Let's talk about where it began 
over in the Eurozone. Go ahead, if you would, with the clips. The European Union, take the scripture off, please. A leaders agree to have a one, take the scripture off, please, if you could. At the summit of, there it is, thank you. At the summit of Brussels, the European Union agreed to create a single overseer of the 6,000 plus banks in the entire 17 nations of the Eurozone, of the European Union. The only two that are bucking it right now are Germany and England, but they're only bucking it for semantic purpose. Let's look at the global economy clip. Next, that's uh, October 19th, by the way. Uh, The Christian Science Monitor. The world needs a new currency. They are working incessantly to take America's superpower away. And folks, if we don't do something in this next election, four years from now, there won't be an America superpower. You take that for whatever you want. I'm going to get myself in trouble in a second, so I've got to keep thinking. Most religions expect a Savior to bring peace and justice and unity. The Mahdi or the 12th Imam of the Muslims, Messiah. Iran's president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, has stated that this mandate of theirs is to pave the way. And the way that their Ahmadi shows up is by a world chaos. And they are doing everything in their power to cause it to happen. The Hindus, listen to this, the Hindus are waiting for their savior who will be called Kalki. He is a Vishnu that is the 10th and last Avatar. Do you know one of the most popular cartoon series on the TV right now is the TV series for the children called Avatar. The last airbender talking about a little boy who will be the savior of the world. Parents. The prince of the power of the airwaves. I saw another beast, Revelation 13. He exercised all authority on the first beast. This is the false prophet. He required all the earth and the people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He did astounding miracles, making fire come down from the sky while everyone was watching. He deceived all the people who belonged to this world. The Bible says in 1 John, you cannot love the world and love God. If the love of the world is in you, the love of the Father is not in us. He deceived all the people. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and brought back to life. And this is where the abomination of desolation happens, where he sets up his image at the three and a half year, the 42 month mark of the tribulation period in the temple. There are so many teachings today that are pulling Christians away. They say this is just normal life. Matthew 24, Jesus, the very first thing he said, don't let anyone deceive you. Listen to me. The Muslims are waiting for uh, Isa bin Jesus uh, to appear with the Mahdi. He will be the false prophet. Jews are waiting for their Messiah, who they call Emmanuel, which we know has already come. Can you say amen? Everyone seems to be waiting for someone. Jesus is coming back, and the Christians are waiting for the return of Jesus at many, if not most, no longer believe in a literal translation of the scripture. 
Which is why the Bible says narrow is the gate. The only entry is intentional. It's intentional. Let me spend a few more minutes. Are you all okay? Have I lost anybody? Okay. Calm down. (laughs) Jesus said, take me to the, the agnostic picture. I'm going to read this to you. Listen to it. Is it up there? No, that's not it. The next one. The first, the one before that. I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to listen very carefully. An agnostic basically is a person that doubts. They don't not believe that there's a Christ. They don't, they don't not believe that there's a God. They just doubt everything. So let me read what this agnostic, this agnostic that I've got from the, it's called the Secular Web It's a a very big website for the agnostic community. Listen what it says here. An agnostic is a doubter. See the the title, Why I Am an Agnostic? The word is generally applied to those who doubt the the verity or the truth of accepted religious creeds or beliefs. Everyone is an agnostic as to the beliefs or creeds they do not accept. It just means you don't believe it. You doubt it. Okay? Catholics are agnostic to Protestants. Protestants are agnostic to Catholics. Anyone who thinks is an agnostic about something. Otherwise, he must believe that he is possessed of all knowledge. And the proper, and the proper place for such a person is a madhouse if they think they know everything. Or the home for the feeble-minded. I thought about going to that place. Anyway, I'm going. in a popular way... In the Western world, an agnostic is one who doubts or disbelieves the main tenets of Christian faith. Remember I told you I was going to bring this right into the church? See, I believe the church is full of agnostics who now doubt what they once believed. Let's go on here. I would say that belief in at least three tenets is necessary to be a Christian. You have to believe in God, immortality, and the Bible. A supernatural book. Various Christian sects require much more. But it is difficult to imagine that one could be a Christian under any intelligent meaning of the word without believing in one God, eternal life, and the inerrant scriptures. This is from a secular web, folks, talking about the church today. Yet there are some people who claim to be Christians who do not accept the literal interpretation of the entire Bible. This is an agnostic written to the entire agnostic world and the church. Are you listening? Are we listening, brothers and sisters? Who claim to be Christians who do not accept the literal interpretation of the Bible, who give more credence to some portions but not to others. I am an agnostic as to the question of God. I think it's impossible for the human mind to believe in an object or thing unless it can form a mental picture. And this is why agnosticism has creeped into the church. Theistic evolution has creeped into the church. Now let me show you the next screen. How many people actually believe in a literal interpretation? Three out of ten. Thirty percent of the church 
believes the Bible is true. The church. That means every fourth person in this church is a non-believer. Hmm. This is the world we're living in, ladies and gentlemen. These are the signs of the times. Are you still with me? Let's go back to the scripture that we started with in 2 Peter. As you and I watch the news, Jesus said in Matthew 24, don't be troubled. All these things must come to pass. You see, we have to be a people of faith, not of fear. Knowing this first, the scoffers will come in the last days. What is the key? Walking in their own lust. Folks, people in the church don't want Jesus to come back because they're enjoying their life. They're enjoying doing what they're doing, whether God's in the middle of it or not. Can somebody say amen today? They sit back and say, well, pastor, I mean, you're talking about this, but hey, where, where is it at? Where's the promise? Of this, they're willfully ignorant that God did everything he said he would do And they're allowing the deception to take them to where they're reserved for fire until the day of judgment. But what does the scripture say? Beloved, do not forget this one thing. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The Lord's not slack considering his promise. Listen to this. He is long-suffering because he's not willing that a single soul will perish. He puts up with a lot of our crap stuff fill in the blank he puts up with a lot because he doesn't want us to perish but everyone to come to repentance but listen but the day of the lord will come underline this in your notes as a thief as a thief remember all the noises we listened to last week The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with a fervent heat. See, that passage sums up the attitude of so many sadly in the church that have adopted. We see the catastrophic weather, the potential peace treaties being talked about, the Middle East unrest. We see all the signs of Christ's return, how near it is. But we stop to fail to consider the hallmark of this generation, and that is the scoffers in the world, but more importantly, the scoffers in the church. Peter gave the reason for the scoffing. They're walking after their own lust. They want to do what they want to do without consequences of what they've done. It is, is it any wonder that some scoff at the notion of Christ's return? Those not living for God are enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Jesus came the first time as a suffering servant, second time as a conquering king. Which will he be to you? Which will he be to me? You see, our churches have become pleasure-driven, just like the world. And I want to wrap this up in the next five minutes. I know I've been a little long, and I, we had a lot of stuff happening, and so grateful, and I don't want to nullify anything. But what I want to do is I want to wrap this up looking at it a couple, or a portion of Scripture, looking again at Peter's conversation 
Who were the scoffers? Those that were saying, where is his promise? And we just keep doing what we're doing. Because we're a pleasure-driven church, it's hard for a preacher to preach the way I preach. Why? The Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. That means sacrifice. That means commitment. That means dedication. That means we have to die to live. But that can't be heard among many congregations. Even people sitting in this room that will be here today but won't be back next week. See, the Bible says in that day they're going to have itching ears, desiring fables more than truth. I've sat with many pastors who say, well, I don't believe that. I believe what the Word of God says, and I ask them, why don't you preach it? I was sitting with a group of pastors here a few weeks ago, and one of the pastors said this statement, and it kind of blew my mind, and I asked him a a question afterwards. He said, Pastor Tim, you preach what all the rest of us are afraid to preach. And I said, who are you afraid of? I thought that was, that, that was mind-boggling. Folks, all I'm doing is preaching God's Word. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Gary, isn't, isn't that what I'm supposed to do is preach? John, am I supposed to be? Why would I be afraid to preach God's Word? Except there's another God on the throne somewhere. Oh, I'm not talking about the God of this world. I'm talking about the God of the pastor. Because I'm afraid if I preach a certain thing, you might leave and take your tithe check with you. Okay? We love you. Bye. And I say that humbly. Please, I, please don't. No. I'm going to offend somebody. He doesn't care about me. Yes, I do. I care so much about you that I'm not going to compromise. Matthew 24, listen, but the evil servant said in his heart, I can do what I'm doing. What's the big deal? I can have a wife and have a girl on the side. I can have a husband and have a guy on the side. I can have this. I can do that. I can, st- I can do all. Why? Oh, what does that say in the next line? My master is delaying his coming. So he continues doing all that he did. Eats, drinks. Then the master of the servant will come in a day he doesn't think. In an hour he's not aware. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got more to say, but I just want to conclude with this last thing. I wrote it down purposely as Ari comes. Please, I want you to listen. And all the rest of the notes, most of them are in your thing as much as I could. Present conditions are not indicators or an accurate indicator of future events. Just like Noah, a preacher of God's truth according to the scripture, built the ark because he knew the end was coming. Didn't know when. But the Bible says that he kept his heart pure before God. He kept his life before God. He didn't play the world's game. He stood up for righteousness. He stood up for holiness. 
He stood up when the rest of the world was giving in, when the rest of the church was giving in. People say, Pastor, if I stand up like that, it's going to offend people. That's okay. When you stand up for God, it's okay. Jesus said, I am a rock of offense. I am a stone of stumbling. He said, all those that stand for me, all of heaven will stand with you. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.